0: Oregon Baptist Church exists to see God glorified, the church edified, and our community served by declaring and displaying the gospel. As I always consider what to bring as I preach in the churches, uh, I've done a number of different things, but I was challenged to go back to the basics of missions. You know, the Lord, um, as he was saying goodbye to his disciples, he left with them with very clear instructions as to what they were to do. And I'd like to look at those together with you this morning in Matthew 28. Matthew 28, I'd like to read uh, from verses uh, 16 to the end of the chapter. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this portion of scripture. The marching orders you left for your church. Help us to learn from it and apply its truth to our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. The last words we hear from our loved ones before they pass remain very precious. My dad went to be with the Lord a number of years ago, and the night he went to be with the Lord, he woke up in the middle of the night and said to my, "My mom, "I'm going this time. I love you." And he was gone. I had an aunt who was a young girl, my dad used to tell this story, had lockjaw and suffered through lockjaw. And she was at the very end. And as she expired, she said to my grandparents, Don't you hear the angels? It is so beautiful. And she was gone. We think the last words of our Savior before he left this earth to go back to italy to italy to to heaven italy's not quite heaven but it's nice and his last words to his disciples are very very important and we should never forget them because he was sending out his disciples to do an impossible task A task that if he had sent the angels to do it, they could have probably done it better. But he chose to send his people to do it. A task that they would never be able to accomplish without him, without his help. And in this portion, I'd just like us to consider the security that we have as we serve the Lord. As you serve the Lord in this local church, as he may challenge you to serve him somewhere else around the world we have great authority we have great security we know who sent us and we know what we have to do first of all as we consider service for the Lord there are three steps to service as we see in this portion first of all is worship says the disciples worshipped him and some doubted. You know, it's sad that in the Christian world, in every local church, there are people who really worship God and are convinced that He is doing something through them in their lives. And on the other hand, there are also people who doubt. I remember when I was a kid, the church business meeting was like the Most exciting time of the year, (laughs) and I remember a couple ladies during a church business meeting. They lifted. They always sat together. They. The one lady lifted her hand. She said, "I don't know what you're talking about, but if the majority's for it, we're against it." (laughs) Well, those two ladies ended up pretty bad, I have to say. But there are all kinds of people. Some who are true disciples, and some who aren't. Now, in our church, a few years ago, I said to the folks, I no longer am going to use the word believer. I'm not going to talk about the believers. You're either a disciple, or you're nothing. You know, people believe all kinds of things. People use the word believer. Now, when we use it, we intend That to say we're believers in the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, that's good. But so many times, the believer aspect is a little bit too easy for us. Whereas the disciple part is hard. Here, Jesus is talking to his disciples. And first of all, they worshiped him. And then, as they worshiped him, they were ready to be submitted to his plan for their life to read the story of the church, uh, to understand that in the first century after Jesus went into heaven, the entire known world had been reached with the gospel. Some of the apostles died in India uh, and different various places of the world. You How did they do that? They traveled by foot, by boat. They had to get the message out. But they were submissive to God's call in their life. And thirdly, the mission was part of it. You have to know what you're going to do, what you're called to do. And so they would submit, and they would be involved in, in the mission, in leaving. Well, Jesus, first of all, said to them, all authority is mine in heaven and on earth. What a joy this is to know as we serve God, we are, we are serving with his authority. I remember one time we were having problems getting our visa permission to stay in Italy renewed. And as one policeman said to me, he said, Fred, if you had just come here and been happy to have a little church down an alleyway, no one would say anything. But you had to come here and go on television. You had to have a radio station. And frankly, a lot of the authorities are fed up. And as he talked to me, I said, you know, there are just two things that are just absolutely certain today. He said, what's that? I said, first of all, there is an authority above me and you. He says, well, that's true. I said, secondly, I'm not leaving. <laughs> well, praise God. We just got permission before we came home for nine years. We used to, every year, have to go back and renew it. So, but we are good for nine years. I told the guy when he gave it to him, I said, I might not even live that long. He looked at me, like, whatever, God knows. <laughs> nine years, nine years down the road. All authority is mine. So, Jesus' authority is given him by divine decree, sent by the Father to give his life for us on the cross and someday he will reign. The song I played for the uh, the offertory speaks of Jesus' suffering on the cross, and we often think about that. Jesus, the servant of Yahweh, as we see him in Isaiah 53, which, which by the way, I've talked to several rabbis about this. They never had read that chapter. Can you imagine? In a Jewish synagogue, they do not read Isaiah 53. (laughs) Well, it's the most clear description of Christ being crucified on the cross. That's why they can't read it. Well, his authority was given to him also to reign. And when he comes back, he will reign. He will reign. All authority is mine in heaven and earth. And then Jesus said, I want you to take the gospel to all nations. There is no people group that should not be reached with the gospel. Will they all be saved? No. But God knows that. And we are called to get the gospel out around the world. I trust you are praying with me for the believers in Afghanistan right now. This was the second large second fastest growing church work in the world. And now they are committed to eliminating everyone thanks to our current uh, leadership. But we need to pray for these brothers. And as their testimonies have been communicated to us, they're ready to die for Jesus. They're ready. They're ready to give their lives, but we pray that Somehow they will be spared to have more time to lead others of their former religion to faith in the Lord Jesus. All nations are to be reached. To the, we've been listening to a recording of the book of Romans in the cars who travel, and the one phrase that Paul repeats often: to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And I wonder how many of us have been involved at all in reaching out to a Jewish family. It's so important that the gospel is given to the Jews as well as to the Greeks. How about Italy? Oh, Italy's a Christian nation. Well, no, it's not. (laughs) Italy had the gospel. Well, yeah, the Apostle Paul was there in prison. (laughs) Italy, I believe, is one of the last frontiers for gospel missions. How is that possible? In Italy today, there is less than one half of 1% of evangelical Christians. Now, when I say evangelical, you know how broad that is. If you go to Russia... If you go to Afghanistan, if you go to Saudi Arabia, any of those countries, the evangelical population is much greater. Can you believe that? Italy has been totally overlooked. Overlooked for years. I shared this morning in the Science School hour the last missionaries to Italy from our mission, Baptist missions outside of our family, came in 1994 and they lasted one year it's not an easy place not an easy place but Italy needs the gospel Italy needs the gospel Jesus said all nations it's interesting Jesus when he said go therefore actually he says going therefore as you go He wasn't saying, well, if you feel like going or if you don't have anything else to do or if you'd like to do something noble or if you feel you're strong enough. He didn't leave a choice with his disciples. He said, as you go. Now, that doesn't mean that every one of us is going to go to the mission field somewhere, called mission field, but it doesn't mean that every one of us who are disciples of the Lord Jesus will be going somewhere to someone with our testimony of faith sharing what Jesus has done for us. As you go, he says, make disciples. He doesn't say gather some believers together <laughs> and he doesn't, there are a lot of things that are going on to evangelize. And praise God, when people come to Christ, it's important. But Jesus says, make disciples. Jesus said, a disciple is one who follows his Lord, obeys his Lord, the footsteps of his Lord. A disciple, someone who puts themselves under the discipline of the Lord. Well, how does that happen? First of all, he says, baptizing them. Now, it's interesting. In the King James Bible, it says baptizing. Where did that word come from? The word was immerse. Immersing, emerging them, immersing them. How do you say that in English? Because the people who did the King James Bible were Anglicans, they sprinkled. So they made a new word, "baptized," kind of a generic word. But this word here in Greek is saying I- immersion is baptism. Immersion, which shows our death, burial, and resurrection with the Lord Jesus. And what does immersion be, mean? I am identifying myself with Jesus who died for <coughs> me, in whom I believe, whom I will follow as his disciple. And for us, also, it means becoming part of the local church. I will identify myself. I'll be frank with you. I've met a lot of people who claim to be believers, but they never quite took that step of obedience in baptism. You know, baptism is our first step of obedience to the Lord. Is Jesus your Savior and Lord? Well, are you going to do the first thing he asked you to do? It is so important. Now, in a culture like ours, in Italy, it is incredibly important because people grow up believing, they're taught, that as babies, when they are baptized, sprinkled, their original sin is washed away. And they become Christians. Now when a believer, when a person believes in Christ and becomes a disciple of Christ, he says, no, I want the world to know that I have believed in Jesus. I going to follow him. And so I want to obey him in believer's baptism. And that baptism cuts the cords from the past. We actually have a document which our people can fill out and mail to their parish priest saying, please take me off the roll. I am baptized and I'm a member of the Baptist church. Because until that happens, those people, even though they're believers, even though they haven't been to the Catholic church for 50 years, they're still counted among their number. And when it comes time for the government to give out money to the churches, they count those numbers. So until even a baptized believer, until they write to their parish and say, please take me off the list, they are counted among those people. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Interesting, the name. Well, there are three names. Well, it's one person. And this is a clear, clear definition of the Trinity. One God in three persons. Interesting, the Jewish people today, they will not pronounce the word God. In fact, if they write something, they write God, they write G underline D. They would never pronounce the word Yahweh. And so to refer to God, many times they refer to God with this word the name the name they use that to refer to God well that's not too bad either because it refers to the name which is above every name that of our Lord the name of the Father the Son the Holy Spirit so as, as we baptize as we are baptized we give testimony to our faith in God the triune God as well and then all things that Christ has commanded are to be taught. You know, some people have a hobby horse like to ride, and that's what they always do. We, we always had the habit of preaching expository. And we just go through the book. I mean, you get some verses there that are pretty tough to just to, uh, explain. you got to dig down there and find out what in the world Find other references. How does the scripture in other portions talk about this? Because the whole counsel of God, every verse, is important. I preached in a church group some time ago. and I preached from the book of Ephesians. And uh, that caused quite a stir. A stir because they weren't used to people talking about the fact that we had been chosen in him before the foundation of the world. And One man came up to me afterward, he said, I knew we were in trouble when you chose that Calvinistic Bible, or Calvinistic book in the Bible. I said, what? We need to teach the whole counsel of God. And our people need to be able to open the Bible on their own and read it, and study it. In Italy, they've been told, only the priest can explain that. And we've had people say, well, you should be reading the Bible. That's a very dangerous book. No, the whole council. Teach all things that I've commanded you, and observe them. Observe them. Not just teach, but observe them. And then, not only all things, and this means Genesis to Revelation. You know, there are some portions that are very difficult. Uh, Personally, I love the book of Revelation. I've preached through it twice. It's not easy, but it is so full of truth. Um, The whole counsel of God. And we need to, to emphasize Every word. We do believe that the word, the Bible, is plenarily, verbally, every word, and plenarily, all, every concept, inspired of God. Amen. And so as we study it, as we read it, every word. You know when I do my Bible reading? I even read the genealogies. You know, there are some tremendous truths in there in those lists. The names of some of these people, it's incredible. One of my favorite portions, Pastor, is Romans 16, where Paul talks about all these believers. Every one of them has a lesson of faith for us. And as we read our Bible through every year, I trust. Don't just jump over those portions that you don't understand. Dig in. Ask for help. There's nothing wrong with asking Pastor advice about some portion or getting a commentary. We need to be familiar with the entire Bible. Teaching all things, Jesus said. And then, Jesus says, uh, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you and behold, and the word behold is so important. It means, here I am, Jesus said, behold, Echo me. Stop and think about this. This is important. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. As we serve God, as his disciples, in this local church and around the world, we're never alone. Sometimes we feel alone. I felt alone one time when I had some men totally around me like wolves and a little sheep as they were falsely accusing me of some things in Italy. And I tried to be calm. I was so calm and so sweet, it made him mad. In fact, one of the guys, he's winning again! He was so angry. It's not easy. But Jesus is there. We're never alone. We're never alone. Now, in our church, there are almost all first-generation believers. And many of them are the only believer in their family. And I say, you know, God saves people one at a time. And we have ladies whose husbands, after their conversion, took 20 years, 25 years before they got saved. Some on their deathbed. But we're never alone. We're never alone. I am with you always. It kind of makes you think of one of the Lord's names. Emmanuel. God with us. God with us. Finding Isaiah and Matthew. All of the days until the end of the age. Why just till the end of the age? Because at the end of the age, we're going to be with him okay we're going to be with him so the promise Jesus promise. and as we serve the Lord whatever the task might be however tedious and lonely and difficult Jesus is with us why is it in, in every local church 10% of the people do 90% of the work that's the way it is but if you're one of those that works, you're not alone. And if you're not one of those that works, think about getting in the, in the program and serving God, because Jesus is with us. I don't know if there's anyone here who is, as you look at your life, look at your retirement, look at what's had for you, might be saying, well, maybe with the time God gives me yet, I could do something that would really count for him for eternity. I trust we're all asking that question. We had a little plaque in our house when I was growing up. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And uh, I appreciate a Christian businessman and all their hard work and their testimony along the way it's wonderful. But you know, there's something special about investing your life, reaching other people for Jesus. Because those people, people are going to be with you forever in the presence of the Lord. I trust that as we look to the future, and I share it with the, in science school, uh, we don't know what our future is. I know that I, on December 31st, will become emeritus. Missionary. I say, I don't know what that means, but there's a, an emeritus pope, so it must be pretty good. Um, and we're going to just keep on serving God. People say, well, are you going to retire? No, we're retreading. Now, a retread is never as good as the original tire. I don't know, if, can you even buy retreads anymore? I used to put them on in my car all the time, but now they want you to get the good ones. A retread is never as good as the original, but it will get you a lot more miles. And so as we look to the future, we're going back to Italy. We're going to serve God. Uh, unfortunately, you see the color of our hair. Uh, we're getting up there. And we, I have many churches that when we turned 70, they dropped our sport. But uh, several some are still holding on. And we trust that we're going to be able to do that and continue our ministry. You saw the TV ministry. Uh, we have an exciting opportunity to put our worship service live on a local television. So you pray with us about that. And as we go back, we'll be praying for you. We're so excited about your pastor's wife. And treat him really well because they are rare. You know that? We have several churches, supporting churches, that are without pastors. And they're very hard to find. And the reason they're hard to find is that so many of them have been treated very badly. And they just are all beat up. And they don't want to go back in the in the ringing another time. You treat your pastor well, and God will bless you. And We look forward to seeing you all in Italy sometime and our next visit with you whatever, whenever God would will. And we'll be praying for you as you reach out. And We were sharing with the pastor earlier. It's very hard to reach out today, but you know, we can do it. We can think of ways to do it. Think of ways to get the gospel out. That's our job. When the Lord sent out his disciples and said, go ye into all the world, he didn't give them a list of what they would be doing to do that. I guess he figured we could think of that on ourselves, on our own, if we would trust him. So we'll be praying with you as you look to the future that uh, God would just guide you and bless you as you reach out in this very needy area. And at the end, I just want to apologize for wearing a suit coat But it had my 50-year pin on it, and I wanted y'all to y'all to see it. Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the privilege of serving you. And I think of these years that we have partnered together with Horicon Baptist, and how they have invested in the ministry, making it possible for us to reach out. We're so thankful for them. As you bless them, as we grow older, we ask for strength for each day. Not to be satisfied to spend our days sitting, doing nothing, but that we might use the strength that you give us to serve you until you call us home. We pray for this very needy area. So many people who are unchurched, others who once upon a time attended church, but they need you. Help us to be vibrant. Help us to be energetic. Help us be faithful in our testimony, just sharing with others what you have done in our lives and what you could do for them if they would trust in Christ as their Lord and Savior. Thank your pastor and his wife, and just ask you to bless them encourage them, meet their needs as they serve you faithfully here, we pray. In Christ our Savior's name, amen. Hi, Taylor Callen, pastor of Fork and Baptist Church. Thank you so much for listening to this sermon. I pray that you are more encouraged and love Jesus and the gospel more after hearing the sermon than when you first sat down to listen to it. Know that that our heart at this church is that this sermon would be an encouragement to you and would be a useful resource, but would in no way replace the pastor that God has called to shepherd you or the church that you're called to be a member of. With that being said, if you want more information about our church or want to hear more sermons, go to com.